Mud Stories, Episode 61. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. Today it is just you and me, me and you sitting here and having a little chat together. And I know I haven't done this much on the podcast, but there are some things that I wanted to update you on and tell you about. And so today I will not be bringing you an interview, a muddy story from another guest, but I will be sharing some of my own mud story with you today and giving you some insight on what you can expect coming from me in the next month or so. So every year in the month of October for the past few years, bloggers have gathered together and done a unified writing project for 31 days. Now, this has been an interesting thing because I've wanted to participate in the 31 day challenge for several years, but because of busyness and my schedule and just things I've been doing, I wasn't able to say yes to that commitment because it is a really big commitment to write for 31 days. And uh, so this year, I've decided that I want to participate and I want to write in the month of October. And some of you may have joined me and aren't even aware that I used to write and I used to blog regularly on my site, JackieWatkins.com. But I did and I miss it. And so this year, now that the kids are in school, I wanted to start writing again. And there are some needs that I've discovered as some of you have reached out to me and over the past few years as I've shared my story, not only speaking, but in writing on my blog in a series of 12 posts. And also there was a YouTube video of my husband and I sharing our story. But I've never really shared my story with you here on the podcast, my personal mud story. And so today I'd like to share a little bit of that with you uh, and then share with you what I have coming for the month of October. Kind of more intimate, just you and me, for me to share my heart with you. So some of you may know my story, but it is a hard story to tell, and it's hard because there's not a big pretty bow wrapped on the top of the box. And, you know, sometimes telling our stories can be an incredibly vulnerable thing. Whatever it is that your story is, I'm sure you can relate. And it's the reason why sometimes we choose not to be vulnerable with others. We choose not to show up and be seen and really known. And yet not doing that causes our hearts to ache and long for relationship with other people because God created us to be in community. He created us to love one another and display kindness and empathy toward one another's stories. And yet sharing where we've been and what we've been through is a risk because there's that fear of being rejected or that fear of not being accepted or being judged or someone just not even getting it at all. 
And so many times we're hesitant and resistant to share our stories because of that. And that's why this podcast means so much to me, because it's full of guests who are willing to take that risk of vulnerability and willing to put themselves out there and really share with us the mud that they've been through. And so for me today, that's what I'm going to choose to do with you. So I grew up in the Central Valley of California with a mom and a dad who love each other and one sister who's five years younger than me. And I really started out as a person just by personality who loves to please. So I'm a communicator. I'm a relator. I love to interact. I'm mostly an extrovert, although lately I've been tending towards more introverted things. You know, I think I'm enjoying silence so much right now just because there's been so much chaos in the other hours of my day. But having some time uh, to myself has been refreshing. You know, maybe it's aging too. <laughs> who knows? Some of you who are, who are older, either my age or even older might be able to relate to that. But anyway, I grew up loving people and loving to please. And I loved to be excellent. And I loved the way that that made me feel. And so I tended toward uh, perfectionism and just wanting to excel and do everything just so. And I really began to put two and two together that I received love when I performed well. And so it wasn't that my parents intended to create or relay that message to me. But I started to understand that if I did well, if I excelled, if I was, you know, trying to be perfect, that I received love for that and encouragement. And so that started me down a spiral that I have spent the last several decades trying to recover from. Uh, and, you know, we can, we could dedicate a whole show to to that, actually. But so that's where I was, and I did everything the way I thought God would want me to do it. I loved God with my whole heart. I was active in youth group and, you know, had um, values and morals that kept me choosing what was right, and I bought into the mistaken thing of thinking that if I did everything perfect, then God would love me. If I could just check off a list of what I could do, that that would lead me to a place where God could love me. And it was exhausting and futility. And I'm not sure if any of you have been in that place, but um, it's, it's what I've come to realize is not how God is. God loves us no matter what we do. He loves us no matter what we fail at because of his son, Jesus, who paid the ultimate price for our sin and for our missteps and for our failures. When God looks at us, he looks upon the righteousness of Christ. And Colossians 3 says we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And I'm just so very thankful for that. So I've come a long way in that perspective. But I started out in my young adolescent life in my early 20s, really thinking like I needed to perform for God. And I needed to perform to receive love for others, which can be an exhausting way to live. And so at the age of 21, I married my high school college sweetheart. We were both virgins when we got married. And I thought I was going to be riding off into the sunset into the idealistic, perfect life of a pastor's wife, um, you know, just having everything set in place. And again, the mistaken idea that if I did everything perfectly God's way, that there would be no pain, that there would be no adversity, that there would be no suffering. And I thought I was riding off into the sunset with Prince Charming. And it didn't take me long to realize that marriage was really, really hard. 
not only were there differences in our families of origin, but there were differences, um, you know, between me being a girl and him being a guy. And although we dated three years and knew one another's family throughout college, it was a different story once you start living in the same house and interacting on a daily basis. You know, my family was loud and talkative and we were, you know, confrontive when we had uh, disagreements or arguments and his family was quiet and reserved and refined and they, you know, wanted peace and arguing and loudness did not match with that. And, you know, he wanted to do recreational activities and interact that way with um, interests and things like that. And I wanted to just sit and talk and feel and, you know, be seen and communicate. And so, you know, it didn't take long for this series of resentment to start to build. Um, And let me just say, as a virgin getting married at 21, sex was nothing like I thought it would be. I mean, you guys, I've heard it described that sex is like a Lego kit. When you get married, you get given this Lego kit, you know, the kind that are like 9,000 gazillion pieces, and it says like 11 and up or nine and up, and you dump all these little plastic baggies out, you know, on Christmas morning of all these Legos, and surely one little teeny tiny piece is going to go missing, and you're not going to, I mean, the these things can't even be put together without a big, huge booklet of instructions. And sex and marriage is sort of like that. You know, it's a gift and it's meant to be unwrapped, but it's like one of those gifts with multiple boxes inside boxes inside boxes. You know, you unwrap the first layer and then there's another gift, another box, and then you unwrap the next one. And it's a process over time of opening your heart, showing up in vulnerability, being seen, communicating about what you like and what you don't like. And when it comes to sex, that can be very intimidating and very, you know, um, just a huge, huge risk of vulnerability. And, uh, you know, as young and immature as I was, I did not choose to engage at that level with my husband. You know, I went from trying to do nothing to you know, stay a virgin to all of a sudden in the flip of one ceremony and a little bit of food and a greeting line and some cake, all of a sudden anything was allowed. And I didn't even have any idea what I even liked, much less how it all worked together. And, you know, it was just devastating to realize that sex is a gift that you have to learn over time. It's like a like a fine violin learning how to play. It's not like, you know, you can just flip on the switch and it all just works just great. It's and and I think God intended sex to be more of a relating kind of experience so that we could show up and communicate and be seen and it's a way he grows us. Uh, to be more like him. And so I didn't choose to show up and be seen. I didn't choose to communicate and found myself over time deeply resentful uh, in a lot of ways about marriage, not towards my husband necessarily, but just you know, at an impasse, it was sort of like, I have needs to be met, and I want you to meet my needs. And he had needs to be met, and he wanted those needs met. But but I wasn't willing to try to meet his needs first, with the faith that he would show up and meet mine. And so it was this selfish, self-centered perspective that I nurtured and grew. And it ended up being that there was this impasse, who's going to move first. And in my immaturity, I chose to do nothing. 
I chose to tell no one, and life continued on. And so what did I do? I'm going to be married forever. There'll be time to sort this all out. You know, here I was, a pastor's wife, up in front of people, leading music, uh, you know, a large church, and I was supposed to have it all together. I had the perfect Ken and Barbie life with the picket fence on the tree-lined cul-de-sac street, and, you know, what what was next for me? And so I felt alone and no one to talk to. And really the secrecy feeds the discontentment. And so what did I do? We decided to have a baby. And I think any of you who have had children know that they don't ease stress. Actually, they cause more complications and more adversity in a relationship. And so my son Matt was born in December of 1995. And I carried on finishing nursing school and, you know, serving at church and life was very full and I stayed very busy. And then when Matt was just a few months old, I was hired to play a musical theater role of Mary at Christmas time in a musical theater production of a show called Two from Galilee. And it was the love story of Mary and Joseph um, told from their perspective, you know, the Christmas story was told from their perspective of being in love. And so I played the role of Mary and the music pastor from that church played the role of Joseph. And I threw myself into that role. I love music. The The show had, you know, it was seemed like the music was across from Beauty and the Beast and Les Mis, just very lyrical and passionate. And uh, I threw myself into the role, imagining what Mary must have felt and what she must have thought as she, you know, had the scandal of the day, becoming pregnant without being married and be, being betrothed to Joseph and how he felt betrayed and just all the was surrounding the birth of Jesus. And so in that process, you know, one Sunday I was getting ready for rehearsal and I started realizing my heart was beating really fast and I was nervous and I was wondering what should I wear and how should I do my hair? And I started to feel feelings for the person who was playing Joseph. And at first I just thought I was maybe confusing my role with the role of Mary in the show But it didn't take long as the fall progressed and as performances came that I realized I was having feelings for this other person, which caught me by surprise because I don't know what planet I was living on, but it had never occurred to me that you could actually feel feelings for someone other than your spouse, that you could actually start to fall in love with someone else, or shall I say in lust with someone else. And, um... You know, we started connecting over mutual lines and rehearsals and things like that. We became couples friends with him and his wife. And when the show ended, um, we not only, you know, nurtured that couple's relationship, but he and I began our own private relationship. And at first it would just, I would take Matt to lunch, uh, you know, with him and we would meet and talk about our day and talk about church and life. And then there was that first lie the first lie of omission. And I'm telling you guys, it is such a slippery slope because you don't think at first anything is happening. You know, I didn't even realize that I was discontent in my marriage. I had a good marriage. We got along. We didn't really argue. It was just those needs of being seen weren't really being met. And I didn't even really realize how vulnerable I was. If you would have told me at that time that Jackie in the next 
year, you're going to choose to have an affair. And not only are you going to have an affair, but you're going to carry on a full-blown affair for two and a half years, living a double life, telling your husband voluntarily, uh, separating, moving into an apartment, divorcing your husband, and remarrying the person you had an affair with. Your life shambled and falling apart with you losing every single relationship you've ever had. If you would have told me that I I would have been capable of that and I would have done that, I would have called you a liar. I would have bet a lot of money that I would never, ever do one of the top 10, you know, the top 10 commandments of the Bible. I, I just never in a million years saw that coming. And so when I began to have feelings and I began to hide in secrecy because it was embarrassing to admit that I didn't want to tell my husband, I didn't want to tell anybody at church, I, I honestly believed the lie that nothing would come of it, that life would move on. There had not been divorce in in e- either of our families ever. Uh, and so, you know, divorce wasn't even an option to me. And so what did I do? I did nothing. I stayed silent. And secrecy was my biggest mistake. And so over the course of the next two years, starting with that first lie of saying, you know, I I told my husband what I did that day, I just selectively edited the fact that I went to lunch with him. And that began all the lies, lies that would eventually lead me to Easter of 1999, knowing that I lived a double life and not knowing what was going to happen as I confessed, but knowing that the double life had to end. And so on Easter Sunday of 1999, I sat down in my living room and and confessed my affair to my husband. And what followed was a whirlwind of chaos and change and pain that I never, ever imagined. Um, all of this can be read about on my blog if you go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash my story. You can read all about uh, this on my blog. But, you know, the whirlwind of chaos and change led to so much pain. And really, because over time, I had allowed myself to be distanced from God and from all the people that I loved, um, my heart became hard. And while we pursued counseling and, um, you know, some attempts at reconciliation, my heart was too hardened and I eventually chose divorce. Now, in the aftermath of that, I knew a few things. Number one, I knew I didn't want to leave God. I wasn't particularly close to God, but I knew that I couldn't live my life without God. And so I chose to move in with a friend and I shared custody with my, my three-year-old son with his dad. And he would go back and forth every week, just brokenhearted over the loss that he was experiencing. And um, it was a really painful and broken time. I pursued counseling and um, we continued our relationship. Although I will say we chose to um, make it a priority to know that we couldn't be stupid enough to leave God. You guys, I have to tell you, this is always, always the hardest part of my story to tell. Because it's vulnerable and it's embarrassing. And I lived over a decade thinking there was no hope for me. That I had had an affair. That I got a divorce on purpose. And I stayed in relationship with the person I had an affair with. And 
I went through years thinking that God couldn't love me. That his grace wasn't good enough for someone like me. And this whole, and this whole podcast, it is my deepest passionate longing. When I do an episode and I interview someone, this is what is on the forefront of my mind. This place that I had landed where I was in the deepest, darkest mud of my entire life, completely thrown down and worthless because of my own choices. This is who I'm thinking of each and every time I record a podcast episode, each and every time I release a mud story, because I remember this feeling. I remember feeling worthless and not valuable. Everyone in my whole entire life had left me. My parents didn't know what to do with me. I had lost the history of all of my relationships except for one, one single friend. And I remember wishing there was someone that could give me hope, someone who could tell me that I could be loved, that I was worthy of love, someone who could meet me in empathy and help shatter my shame. And I had no one. And so, um, This part of my story is so hard because I didn't choose reconciliation with my first marriage. I didn't choose what God would want me to have done. I chose, I chose to stay in relationship. And you guys, it's my greatest hope in sharing my mud with you today. And the reason why I'm daring to just sit down and off the cuff without any notes or without any script to tell you my story this way is because I want you to know no matter what you're facing today, there is hope for you that you are not worthless and God loves you with a love that you cannot even comprehend. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven. And he, you know, we are all guilty of sin. Sin is sin to God, no matter if it's an affair that you stay in and get married to that person or whether you, you know, are cheating on your taxes or saying, feeling bad thoughts about your mother-in-law. Sin is sin to God. And he has given Jesus as his ultimate sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sin. And we are free. I am free and you are free. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I will never, ever get over the grace of our God. And I will never, ever get over the mercy that found me. And that is why my website is titled Mercy Found Me. And it's after a song by Hillsong. And the song goes something like this. Mercy found me on a broken road and lifted me beyond my failing into your glory. My sin and shame dissolved, and now forever yours I'll stand. Forever his, or forever his. And so in my deepest, darkest mud, Thad and I decided we can't leave God. And so we chose for the year before we married one another to stop the sin 
We did not have sex. We did not engage in any of that relating. We chose to live on our own. We chose to pursue reconciliation with every single person that we could think of that we hurt. He returned to his church board and um, in person acknowledged his sin and apologized for what he had done and asked for forgiveness. I wrote a letter or called or met with each and every person. You see, because it's important to really acknowledge that what you did was wrong and that you wouldn't want anyone to think that it's okay to do what you did. And that was part of the reconciliation process. And as as I proceeded through the reconciliation process, some people receiving my apology and my repentance and some people rejecting me because of what I was choosing. Because you don't have to be a Christian to know that having an affair, leaving your spouse and marrying the person you had an affair with is wrong. You know, it's it's like the biggest one of the one of the biggest fat scarlet letter givers that there can be and that's what i had done and so you know my my apology was not received by all people but um it was important for me to do it anyway as a as an act of repentance and humility and again over the course of 5 to 10 years this occurred well as i approached you know a more healed place and began thad and i were remarried in 2000 one to one another and um, suffered a few miscarriages and God was good to allow us to have children together um, in his goodness and grace. And I'm so very thankful. Um, This coming February, we'll be celebrating 15 years of marriage, which still some naysayers might say I'm not allowed to enjoy. And those voices, uh, you know, those challenges of feeling like you're a hypocrite still plague me and I still can go back to that place of shame very easily and for years I never let anyone in I didn't want them to see me I didn't want them to know because the lie was if they know about where I've been and what I've done that they will reject me and I won't um, be loved that I won't be loved and so it took lots of years to put myself out there and risk but being repentant and saying I'm sorry and having humility and acknowledging wrongdoing is so important we need to own our responsibility of our choices and um and apologize to other people that we've hurt because that's the big lie of an affair that no one will ever know that it's only hurting me it's not hurting anyone else and that can't be farthest from the truth because it's like a little pebble that goes in the water and the rings go on and on and on and on forever and it hurts and wounds so many people and um you know that is one of my biggest passions is to help us you know, have integrity in our relationships and really keep our marriages strong. And what is it we can do to prevent an affair? Because the pain and suffering that I've experienced, I wouldn't want you to have to walk through. And so we, um, the last person in the process of the reconciliation and repentance, the last person that I needed to find and say I was sorry to was Thad's ex-wife. And, um, you can read this on my blog on the 10th day of the series, but essentially my brother and sister-in-law had reconnected with her and found her contact information, and I wrote a handwritten card and put it in a snail mailbox and sent her an apology letter, which you can read on my blog. Um, and I was terrified, terrified. I mean, what do you say to someone that you've hurt so deeply, someone who you've betrayed? 
Um, There are no words. And so with a shaky hand, I penned words to her that I hoped would be received. But if they weren't, it was an act of obedience that I did. And would you guys, God is so very good. In two days, I got a letter back from her that I have to this day. It's one of my most cherished possessions. And it's a letter from her of forgiveness. And I cannot tell you the power of forgiveness in my life to set me free, not only from God, the forgiveness that I realized was mine in Christ, that took me over a decade, not because God's forgiveness isn't enough, but because I was a poor recipient of his forgiveness. You know, we do that. We hijack our own selves by thinking we're not enough. Or who do I think I am? You know, those are the two lies. We're not worthy of forgiveness. And then if we talk ourselves into that we are, we think to ourselves, well, who do you think you are anyway, even asking? And God wants you to know today you're enough because of Christ and his forgiveness is enough. And there's nothing so special, no sin so crazy that you've done that's beyond the forgiveness of Christ. And when God applies that to your life, you are set free. And so um, in the same way, forgiveness from her was so pivotal in my recovery and she didn't have to give it to me. It was something that I didn't deserve. I mean, who is gracious? And she didn't even have to write me back, but in her graciousness, she did. And you can read her words to me on my on my blog and I am just so very thankful. So thankful for the goodness of God to have allowed that in my life. And so I moved on and slowly but surely dared to risk and be seen and be vulnerable, but it would take another five to eight years before I would ever tell someone out loud my story, let alone speak it uh, to an audience or write it for the entire internet on my blog, which I did in 2011. And then in 2012, my husband and I released a YouTube video of he and I sharing our story Which, you guys, even as of this last couple months, I made the mistake of reading YouTube comments. And uh, there were a couple pretty hateful ones that, um, you know, threw me right back into that shameful place, into feeling those feelings of being in that mud pit and having no hope. And I think that's why it took me so long to be willing to share my story you know, at all. And for Thad and I to even make a video because we wondered what redemption could there be? What help could there be for us to share our story with the world? Because we chose wrong. Even marrying one another was wrong. And yet here we are almost 15 years later with four children and with great gratitude and God's grace, I'm thankful for a beautiful marriage that I enjoy now. But it doesn't mean that my life is without pain because Although God will redeem all things and he can weave all things for good in our lives when we love him, he doesn't remove the natural consequences of our choices. And those are consequences that I continue to bear to this day, including being thrown into a a shame spiral from a YouTube comment from some random stranger. And so, um, you know, my commitment to God first, to my husband second, is that we have linked arms and decided that this is a story, a ministry uh, that we want to offer the world, no matter if we're criticized or accused of being a hypocrite or, you know, told that, who are you to, you know, model marriage? Who are you to speak um, 
any wisdom at all into relationships or our getting out of our mud because you just laid in your mud and you stayed there and you're still there. And, and so all those tapes of shame play in my mind and actually almost inhibited me from recording this podcast for you, this episode, because, you know, this is episode 61. It's taken me 60 episodes to be willing to tell you myself, my story, my mud story. And, you know, when I had imagined sharing it with you, I had imagined it all, you know, typed out and written. I was going to be all professional and read it to you and not cry and be, you know, have everything all together. And I just decided today, you know what? I'm not all together. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I'm a broken person just like you. And I don't have all the answers. But what I do have is Christ. I have the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ that affords me to become an heir, a fellow heir with him, a child of God. And I am loved more than I can comprehend. And so are you. And so I show up today and I am bearing the truth and the rawness of my story, all with the hope that you would know that whatever you're facing, you're not alone. And that's my biggest biggest desire for you to know God loves you and that you're not alone. And so, you know, life isn't perfect. You know, I have pain and residual difficulties and hardships as a result of my choices. God doesn't take away our natural consequences, but he does promise forgiveness and grace and he promises to be with us in it. And so I have a few things coming up that I want to share with you in relation to this because I'm so passionate about helping you not feel alone. Um, Every single October for the last few years, there's been some bloggers who have decided together to write for 31 days about a topic of their choosing uh, to put it out there for the world. And I've wanted to participate for the last few years, but because of busyness and schedules and things like that, and also apprehension because it's vulnerable. I uh, I allowed that to stop me from participating, but not this year. And so since starting the, the podcast, I really have missed writing. I haven't been able to logistically keep up with producing a podcast every week and also writing regularly on my blog. But this October, that's going to change because I am getting ready to launch a series on my blog Um, for you. And I just want to tell you about it briefly. And it's going to be called 31 Days of What I Learned and What You Should Know Before an Affair. Because there are people, as I've shared my story, not only as a speaker, but as a writer, as I wrote it out on my blog, many people have read it. And when they read it, I mean, really, they send me the most private information about their situations. I think because when I tell something like what I've done, it just seems like they are, they're free to tell me anything that they've done, because how can it be worse than mine? And I've counted such an honored privilege to hold your stories close to my heart. And so there are commonly three categories of people who reach out to me because they've read my story. Um, and they reach out to me in, in a myriad of ways, either by email or voicemail on the side on my blog, you can always send me a voicemail message or through social media. And the first group are those who maybe have thought of having an affair, or they are currently having an affair, or they've had one in the past. And they reach out to me because they feel maybe some desperation, or they are suffocating in guilt like I was, or sinking in shame in their mud. 
And the second group are people who have been betrayed by an affair. Someone in their life has betrayed them and they long to reach out to someone to try to understand why their partner strayed and they grope and brainstorm for any possible way to understand why it's happening to them. And they just are longing to get their life back to where it was before the horror and pain of the betrayal had occurred. And then the third group of people who reach out to me are those who have been indirectly affected by an affair, maybe a friend whose life has been rocked by an affair-related crisis, and they desire to be supportive and helpful, but they just don't know what to do. And so for the next 31 days, I want to explore with each of you this need that I've seen among all of them, among these people who have broken shattered relationships, maybe you're marred from guilt, you're self-condemning, full of shame. Um, Maybe you're a woman today listening who is experiencing disengagement in your marriage or feeling like you're not enough, or maybe your relationship is just stagnant, or maybe you're a man who's secretly feeling like a failure, or maybe you live with a nagging wife and it's really hurting your feelings toward her. Or maybe you're in a place as a man where you feel like you can never measure up and you're longing for more, but you're just not sure what that more is. Maybe you're yearning for belonging or craving connection or just wanting to be seen and you just feel like nobody sees you. Maybe you're indifferent or discontented with your current life and disappointed in how things have turned out like I was so long ago, but you never really imagined you'd be in this place or feel this way. You know, these are very vulnerable and dangerous places to be. And I know because I've been there, except for the fact that when I was there, I didn't really realize how vulnerable I was to an affair. And before I knew it, things had like a whirlwind, a spiral, had caught me by surprise. And for me, by the time I realized it, it was way beyond easy to fix and way beyond anything I could really reason through. And I was just in this deep, deep mud. And so today, as I tell you about this 31-day series, I want you to know that if you're someone who's been thinking about someone else Uh, maybe feeling an emotional connection to someone other than your spouse, or you've been already reconnecting with an old friend, maybe you've had feelings for before, or you're just, you know, having camaraderie with them, or identifying with them. Maybe you've been thinking some thoughts that you'd never want anyone to know. Maybe you're in a place where you've thought of having an affair, or maybe not you, but you know a friend who is. Or maybe you've not realized till now that in your relationship, you're already disengaged. You know, we know when we're disengaged because we kind of lose that passion to even care. You know, it's like, at least if you're arguing, you care, you have some passion. But when you just give up and you're just disengaged and just go through the motions, that is such a vulnerable place to be. And it's so dangerous, so very dangerous. And so if any of those things resonate with you, This series is for you, whether you know you're vulnerable or whether you deny you ever could be, whether you're thankful for my perspective, or maybe after hearing my story, you are angry with me and think I'm totally wrong and I should never be sharing and how dare I have the audacity to talk about these things after what I've done. Um, Maybe you're just not even sure what to think after hearing all that I just shared, but no matter what, 
my commitment to you is if you're willing to meet me here with an open mind, and if you're willing to listen, willing to think long and hard about the condition of your own heart and your own relationships, and ready to examine your own life and then take whatever action is needed, this series is for you. It's my hope that you will walk in it with me and I commit to you that I'm going to write truth no matter how hard it is. And even if there's only one heart that's saved from the pain that I've survived and healed from and the pain that I sometimes even continue to mitigate, you know, me sharing in this series, me sharing even this episode will make it worth it for me. And so um, I'm just here to say I'm so glad you're here. And throughout this series, if you have any questions or struggles that you would like me to address, maybe some things that you faced or things that you would like me to write on and include in this series, I would love to hear from you and have feedback from you. Um, And so you can email me always at Jackie at JackieWatkins.com. You can go to my website, JackieWatkins.com. On the sidebar, there's a green button that says send me a voice mail. You can send me a voicemail that way. You can reach out to me on social media, or you can leave a comment on the blog posts that I'm going to write. Um, If you want also to follow the series and subscribe to each day that I'll be releasing a post, you can sign up for that a couple of different ways. The first way, you can go to my website, JackieWatkins.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up to receive posts in whatever way you want. Uh, If you are a subscriber, I just sent out an email this week asking you to update your subscription preferences. So if that went to your junk mail, I would appreciate you digging that out and finding that. Uh, You can choose to receive posts from me immediately as I post them. So that would be, you know, more frequently than once a week for the month of October because I'm going to be writing this series. Or you can choose to to uh, select in the preferences that you want to receive one weekly email that has an update of all the posts that I released that week. And then I'm going to be starting a new thing called uh, Notes from Jackie, and it'll be like a more personal newsletter that I'll write to you some inside things, maybe share with you some photos, some things I'm wrestling with, um, just a more intimate and private group that I will email with. And so if you want to sign up to be a part of that, um, you can also go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash subscribe, and you can not only select either immediate blog posts or weekly summary of blog posts, but you can also choose to be included in the notes from me that I'll be sending like a newsletter periodically. And so make sure and do that. Now, if you aren't at a computer or you're on the go, which a lot of you are who listen to podcasts, you can subscribe by texting. So here's what you have to do. You get out your phone and you text to the number 33444 and you're going to type the words subscribe mud stories with no spaces. So it'll be S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E-M-U-D-S-T. T-O-R-I-E-S. So you get out your phone, you open a text, you send it to the number 33444. And in the text, you write the word subscribe mud stories with no spaces and hit send. And then you'll get a text replying back to you to place your email and text that back to uh, that number. And then uh, I will send you a thank you email and a free gift that are it's a PDF of my favorite resources for finding freedom from failure. Just my favorite things that helped me 
where I needed to find freedom from the failure that I had chosen. And so if you subscribe, you can either on the computer at the subscribe link, JackieWatkins.com forward slash subscribe, or if you text subscribe mud stories to the number 33444, you will receive that free PDF, Finding Freedom from Failure, as my gift to you. And so I hope you take advantage of that. And so it's my hope that you'll join me. It's my hope that you'll journey with me. And I end every single podcast episode with this phrase and the song that follows because it's my deepest desire for you to know that no matter what you're facing today, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead, freedom and joy comes when we find a grateful song to sing. May you find a grateful song to sing today, and I cannot wait to journey these 31 days with you. Have a beautiful day. I never in you ever feel suppressed upon my mind. I pull the shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way. Till you're next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer song